I'm so excited for our, um, our sermon series to continue this morning and for this opportunity to get to, to share and to, to have Vern uh, in conversation uh, as we explore this Sunday's scripture and theme. And I wonder if we could just um, open now with a, a word of prayer. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are good and for your great love for us. And God, today, as we prepare to open your word and to, to hear the word that you have for us today, we pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds and our ears, that we could hear your word to us, your word that calls us to thriving, your word of love, of acceptance, and your word that calls us deeper and higher into the great purposes that you have for us. Holy Spirit, come as we, as we speak, as we listen, as we sing, as we pray. We know that you are with us, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So this is our fifth week in our Stronger Through the Struggle series. And as we've looked at various aspects of struggle and how God works through challenges and difficulties to strengthen us, um, some of the previous weeks we've, we've, been, we've been laying that foundation. We've been tilling the soil. And this week um, we're, we're going to pivot a little bit and we're going we're gonna to look at how we, we plant seeds and how we move forward into that, that fruit-bearing season. Um, and so as we... As we think about that, our, our title today is um, Stop Surviving, Start Thriving. Obviously, we want to keep surviving, but do that in a way that brings us into thriving. And as we, look about, as we think about surviving, um, so often when I think about surviving, it, it has such an individual focus. It's about how am I going to get through this. Being in survival mode, it so often causes us to, to kind of close in, to narrow our focus down um, on the short term and the immediate about what do I need in this moment? How do I make it through today? Um, and, and that's important. When we're, when we're trying to just survive. But this morning, we're going to try to widen the lens a little bit. Um, as Christians, yes, our individual well-being matters. We, we know that God wants us all as individuals to, to thrive. Um, and yet, it's also what God has for us is in the context of community. Um, I love John Wesley's quote that says, the gospel knows no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. And what he's saying here is that our faith is always developed in the context of community. And it's impossible to grow in, into our role that God has for us in the body of Christ if we don't have any other body parts. Right. Um, we need each other. And you know, as I think about um, what we've been going through these last weeks and months with this pandemic, um, it has individual challenges. I mean, for some of you, you feel like it's maybe all you can do to get the kids doing their schoolwork, to work from home, to try to get food uh, prepared and, and cooked and served, to make sure the house stays somewhat clean. For others, the struggle has been because you've lost work or um, you and your loved ones are maybe having a little too much time together and, and getting on each other's nerves. For some of you, you're an essential worker. You're, you're having to put yourself out there um, and interact with the public and, and those who are sick, and maybe that's causing anxiety. And still others, you're, you're alone. You're alone in your house. You're separated from all the people and activities that, that normally bring joy and meaning to your life. And, and these are somewhat individual challenges. And I think that perhaps because of the physical uh, 
distancing that we're facing and the, the social isolation, that it's easy to feel like, like we have to survive all on our own. Um, but, it, but it's also a collective struggle. At the heart of all those different struggles I just mentioned are, uh, is a question of how to thrive in the midst of disrupted relationships. And, and then on an even bigger level, uh, as, we, as we move into reopening and many people are starting to leave their houses again, um, there's this recommendation that we all wear masks. And recently I was talking with some friends about that and um, we were, were talking about the reason that we wear masks. It's not just for our own protection, but it's for the communal good. And just this sense of every time we put on a mask, that it's a symbol that we are committed to the well-being of people that we might not ever even meet. I mean, I think that's one of the really powerful images of this is that our actions have, have implications that ripple out and we might never even know about. And right. those can be for good or for, for not good. <laughs> um, and so moving to a place of thriving means looking at how we are interdependent. And another thing that um, we want to make clear right here at the beginning is that thriving for us as Christians is, is something that looks different than thriving from the world's perspectives and the world's standards. In part, because to thrive as a Christian is not just about an individual focus, but about the whole body. But also the gospel throws that whole notion of success or thriving on its head. And we get this upside down worldview where Jesus says, um, to be first is to be last. And to be great is to serve. Um, and as we've talked about in previous weeks, um, Jesus, you know, he, uh, he had to go through um, the surrender to the cross and the abundant life, uh, the resurrection life that came was only through a death. Um, and so for us spiritually, there's a dying that, that has to happen to our, to our own selfishness, our own desires or ambitions um, in order to really move to that place of thriving. And um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about all of that a little bit this morning, but we're going to do this through the, the lens of a passage from Galatians. And Can I, just yeah. before, I, I'm so thankful that you, that you said that because, I, and I've even seen posts and I've seen people sharing, like giving permission to say, hey, it's okay not to, it's okay to just survive right now. It's okay yeah. not to thrive. And, and I, I think like we really um, like want you to hear this idea that th like when we talk about thriving, it's not busyness. It's, we're not saying... You need to do more, right? You need to be busier. It is exactly. like the idea of thriving and fruit bearing in the kingdom looks very different than it does in the world. So thank you for, for saying that. And I, I just like, because I, I mean, I know I'm, you know, I'm married to one of these who, um, I mean, it's just, she's amazing in the things that she does, but she's the type of person who's like, hey, give me a task and that like, just give me the things that I need to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, and I know that we know people like that, you know, who, as we're talking about thriving, they, like, they begin to tense up, and, hey, like, we just want you to relax into this and hear that we're not, like, what you're not about to hear is, is do more things, right? <laughs> um, but it's, exactly. it's a change of perspective in the way that we see our lives in connection with others. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so as, as we get ready to look at our passage this morning from Galatians 6, just, just a quick word about the context, because we're, we're going to jump in at the end of the book of Galatians. But Galatians is, is one of Paul's earliest letters, and it's written to a community that was in the midst of some communal struggle. Um, and 
and the struggle is that there's a division in the community of believers, and it's causing each side to, to act selfishly, to tear others down. And so collectively, they're, they're kind of in this survival mode in its most negative sense. Um, and throughout the letter, Paul is urging them to have new eyes to see, just like you were saying, that new perspective, to move beyond the old ways of seeing and to look at things in light of the freedom that they have in Christ, to live in the Spirit as a community that's empowered by the Spirit to embody Christ's love. And so our passage this morning comes from that, that last chapter in Galatians, chapter 6. And um, Paul is giving us some, some principles. He's giving the Galatians and us some principles to live by as a, a thriving community. So hear these words starting in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. Each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job and not compare themselves with others. Each person will have to carry their own load. Those who are taught the word should share all good things with their teacher. Make no mistake, God is not mocked. A person will harvest what they plant. Those who plant only for their own benefit will harvest devastation from their selfishness. But those who plant for the benefit of the Spirit will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not get tired of doing good, because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. So then, let's work for the good of all whenever we have an opportunity, and especially for those in the household of faith. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as I said, Paul was writing to this church in the midst of their communal struggle. His overarching message is that the thriving life that we're called to is a life together in the Spirit, imitating the way of Christ. This morning we want to focus on three of the things that, that Paul highlights as a way to do that. First, talking about what it means to bear one another's burdens. Second, talking about not comparing ourselves to others. And three, what, what does he mean when he's talking about working for the good of all? So Paul's words to, to help the Galatians move out of their divisive struggle into the abundant life of the Spirit, um, they're instructive for us too. And so let's look first at this idea of bearing one another's burdens. We, we note that Paul makes a distinction here between burdens and loads. It seems like there's a tension. I don't know if you picked up on that, but it, it says we be, must bear one another's burdens, yet each must carry their own load. And there's a Christian book on boundaries that, that I really appreciate for the insight that it gives into this. Um, there's, you know, the original Greek here, there's two different words used. The word for burden, it's one that really means an excessive burden, something that's, that's like a boulder, something we could never think of carrying by ourselves. The thing, then... The other is load, and this is more of a like everyday kind of um, responsibility, more like maybe a backpack. We each can carry our own backpack. Um, and so there are some things that we need to ask for help with, the, the burdens, and there are some things that only we can carry. And this is true in so many aspects of our lives, whether we're thinking about home or work, our spiritual life, our relational life, um, the physical tasks or emotional burdens and loads. Uh, there, there are always things that, that are meant to be shared, and then there are things that, that we really have to carry on our own. And so um, there's discernment in figuring out 
which of those is which? And as I was thinking about this and thinking about, you know, how in times of crisis, those lines get blurred. I mean, if you think about it, when a loved one dies, what do we do? As, as good church people, we bake casseroles, we, <laughs> we take it to, to someone, to the grieving family. Um, or if uh, someone is sick or struggling, we may offer to mow their yard or, or watch their kids for a little while. The, the things that are usually loads, the daily things that they can take care of in the midst of, of grief or, or crisis become burdens and things that, that are meant that can be shared and, right. and not be such a crushing load on someone. Um, but there's also uh, discernment needed when sometimes we can um, feel like, like our, our struggles that really should be shared, shared are something that we don't want others to know about. Right. That we, we think, I need to just carry this on my, on my own and it's crushing, um, but we're afraid to, to let others in um, and to, to lean on the support that we have from people around us. Because we don't want to be seen as weak, right? I mean, exactly. this, we're conditioned in this culture to think that we've, we've got to, to fit a certain mold or we've got to be strong or, or independent or be able to, you know, to do it on our own. And, and we don't, we don't want to reveal that, that weakness. And yet, you know, again, like that's, that's one of the places where we see the kingdom of God is so counterintuitive. It, it, you know, Jesus says, no, I, I came to be weak, right? I can't, <laughs> like that's, that's, I mean, he took on weakness in order to, to show us what it looks like to live in communion with God and relationship with others. Exactly. Yeah. So we've, we've got this, um, this kind of tension here again between the things that we want to, want to carry and, and share. Um, and then also sometimes we find at the opposite extreme, we, we run into problems if we think everyone else has the responsibility to do the things that really, really are mine to carry. Mm -hmm. And so in either of those extremes, if we think we have to do it all our, on our own, or we think someone else can handle all of our <laughs> problems or all of our loads, then we're going to be set up for, for pain um, right. and for being stuck in survival and not being able to move into a place of thriving. Um, and so in Paul's words and, and his, in his wisdom, we see this balance of mutual care and accountability, but also there's, there are times for personal responsibility and for us carrying our own loads. Um, and one of the things that came to mind for me as I was thinking about this was one of our mission partners, Zoe, um, who you heard briefly about in the video. Um, they are uh, an amazing organization, and we partner with one of their groups in Rwanda. And Zoe takes groups of orphans who are often children of age 10, 14, 17, who have found themselves as the head of their household. And they are bearing the burden of raising younger siblings, providing all the food for their family, um, trying to manage a household alone. And Zoe invites them into a working group and they join with usually a group of about 80 other kids and um, they become like an extended family. Each still has to grow their own food. They uh, still have to, to manage their household and, but they're given knowledge to start their own business, to, um, to be able to have tools to, th to, to thrive. And they also now have a community where they can share their hopes and dreams and their heartaches. And um, the work they do is just amazing. It's Beautiful. In three yeah. years, these kids go from, from surviving to thriving, from hopelessness to knowing that God and their family is with them, from a place of desperate need to being able to not only provide for their families, but to be generous, to give to others. Um, and it, it's just, it's incredible. Um, and when you say it that way, it's such a simple model, right? It's, <laughs> there's nothing complicated about that. It's very simple. And yet, 
we have such a difficult time, I think, living into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think um, as we were talking, you had another one of our yeah. mission partners that came well, to mind I, for I you. Lo- and I love, I, I didn't get the memo about the wearing my wilderness trail shirt. <laughs> um, but when you, I love that you talked about, you know, your, your pack, like carrying your, your pack to bear. The, the ministry of wilderness trail, which is something I, I've been privileged to be a part of, um, both as, um, as youth director and then just um, and, and going and experiencing it with, uh, with one of my kids. Um, it, it's, and, and we hear this when we start. Like it, you're spending a week on, on the Appalachian Trail or a week in the woods, and there's, it's, there's, you're just walking, right? There's nothing flashy about it. You, you are putting everything that you need for a week on your back, and you're, you're carrying it. Um, and yet, what God is able to do in that is incredible. What it teaches us about community, what it teaches us about perseverance, what we're able to experience and hear, you know, when, when we kind of quiet all the noise. But um, this idea, and it's on your shirt, the, it's, the whole foundation is, you know, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so that's something that is deeply embedded in the DNA of Wilderness Trail. And the ways that you see that play out while you're doing this are incredible. We, um, one of the things that, depending on your route, one of the things that you may do is to summit White Top and you get to be at Buzzard Rock and, and experience, and I think you can see like five states from up there. And I mean, it's just breathtaking. And, and I tell myself this, I don't know that it's true or not, but I've done that route several times. And I said, well, there's a, a short side to White Top, which is really steep, <laughs> and there's a long side to White Top, which is not as steep. They're both terrible, right? It doesn't matter which side you're going up. One does feel like you're gaining elevation a lot faster. But one of the things that I witnessed um, in this was we, you know, we had some guys in our group who were like, I, how, where's our destination and how can I get there as fast as possible? And so you just tell them where they go and they're, it's, they're like superheroes, right? They just, they hike up, they summit, and they put their stuff down rather than enjoying the view, put their stuff down and then begin to come back down from Buzzard Rock and start to ask people, hey, can I carry your pack for you? Mm. Um, and some people are like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love for you to bear this burden, you know, and it, it's ours to, I mean, we all carry our packs, right? It's ours to bear, but in that moment, the realization that maybe the thing that I've been given to carry is too heavy, you know, or too heavy for right now, and so some people would gladly give their packs over, and, you know, and watch people, these guys carry it to the top, and then just walk up and enjoy the view. Others with gritted teeth would say, I don't want you to carry my pack. I have to do this, and you're like, oh, okay, but, but then in that moment, still, there are words of encouragement, right, yeah. that, are, that still, I think, help to lift the burden. Yeah, you got this. You can do this, you know, and so it's a small picture, but it's, I mean, we all know we should help people, but, but when you actually experience that weight lifted or experience the joy in helping lift the weight of somebody else, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. Yeah. So, so part of that wisdom that Paul teaches us is that, that thriving, um, part of it is that we have to see that we're all in this together. Yeah. Whether, whether we're carrying another's burdens, whether we're giving a word of encouragement, whether we're just accepting the, the help of another, right. um, that, that this is, is something that we're in, doing in community. Um, and, and I want to move to this, the second point now where Paul realizes that when we are in community, we have this human tendency to compare, mm. to compare ourselves, and sometimes that's, that's not so helpful. Right. Um, he puts in there, each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job and not compare themselves with others. 
Comparison is so often a hindrance Mm -hmm. to our thriving. Now, the Galatian context Paul is speaking to here is that there's this controversy that's come up between some new missionaries or teachers who've come to this group of believers in Galatia, and when they get there, they're like, "Uh uh-oh, these people think that they are being faithful, but they are not following what Scripture says. They have abandoned the teachings of God, and they are not fulfilling the law of, of Scripture. And the Galatian believers are like, hold up, the Spirit is doing something new here. We aren't bound by these old commandments because we have Jesus. And so there's this division that breaks out. Um, And the ironic thing is that that, uh, Paul points out that as they're having this, even more than the argument over whether they need to fulfill the law is that they're not being loving in the way that they're, they're doing this. There's self-righteousness right. that's, that's creeping in. And so Paul describes them in chapter 5 as biting, devouring, pro- provoking, and envying others. Um, and so uh, the, there's the self-righteous group, and then there's this other group that's feeling pressured to go against what they understood the gospel to be. And Paul gives a word here to them to not compare. Now, for the Galatian church, their issue that they were all worked up about was circumcision and whether it was required for Gentile believers. We've got different issues today that we still divide up over, um, but the word for us is still the same. We can fall into those traps of comparison, and it can tend towards two different extremes. On the one end, there's the self-righteousness where we think, well, I'm okay because I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not, I'm not fulfilling everything God says, but at least I'm not doing the evil that those people are doing. Right. Or the other extreme is the, the self-deprecation where we think we're not okay or we can't serve or be God's people because we're not as holy or we're not as gifted as someone else. And both of these, both of these are impediments to thriving and to living into the mission that God has for us. And, and this can happen on the individual level. And I think it even happens on, on a communal level too, yeah. that we can fall into that trap. Um, and that continuum I just laid out, that's sort of the, the spiritual comparison. But of course, spiritual thriving is also impeded by all the other forms of comparison. Like the social comparison that sucks us into the, back into the world standards of success and thriving where we're comparing our wealth, our material possessions, our looks, our jobs, our kids. Um, all of this is, is something that, that keeps us from thriving. And I, I loved a quote that, that Jeff actually shared in Bible study this past week, um, that comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's so true on so many levels, that, that we're made to be in relationship with other people and to live as community, and, th- and that is key to our thriving as the body of Christ. But our relationships are hindered if we are constantly thinking about what I have or don't have physically or spiritually or relationally compared to other people that, that I'm in relationship with. And, and so again, there's this tension that we have between, yes, we, we have personal responsibility, we each have to test ourselves, But there's also um, communal accountability. Mm. And Paul says in verse 1, just before the passage we read, that that if a person's caught doing something wrong, you who are spiritual should restore them with a spirit of gentleness. And so there's there's both this individual, like we have to look at ourselves, but there's still this this communal communal balance um, that that brings our relationships to hopefully a a place of of thriving. Um, And that that brings us to this third point that Paul makes, and that is about doing good. He starts with a metaphor of reaping what we sow. And it's building on ideas from chapter 5, where where Paul's talking about selfish desires and things that are set against the Spirit versus allowing the fruit of the Spirit to grow within us. And, 
and I want to say, this is not necessarily a karma idea. It's not like what goes around right. comes around. Right. Good people will have good things happen to them. Bad people will have bad things happen to them. That's not, that's not what he's saying. But more of that when we are acting out of our selfish desires and sowing to our own benefit, um, there, there are consequences to our actions. And so... Um, you know, it's tempting sometimes when we're in survival mode to, to do things that are ultimately destructive to our relationships, um, to our world. And, and when we do those things, sometimes we end up harvesting destruction, whether that's on an individual level or a, a planetary level. Um, but Paul is, is urging us into, into this sowing into the Spirit, into living out the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and when we find ourselves doing good in, in those ways, Paul says we reap an eternal benefit. And it, it's not that we earn uh, heaven by these good acts, but, but that this is how we participate in the eternal kingdom that God is building right here right in our midst right. you know and it's i mean we've we've done series on you know the, the fruit of the spirit before right but we and we talk about this sometimes when we're doing our summer planning we look at those passages following that in galatians 5 we're like Ooh, i don't know if we want to touch that you know <laughs> but but i do think that there's something to for you know t- in, in reading going back if you know to, you were to go back in galatians 5 and start with verse 19 and, and read that because some of those things you could say well never practice witchcraft uh, so I'm, I'm probably okay, but then he goes on hatred, discord, jealousy. You touched on that. Fits of rage, selfish ambition. I, you know, so we begin to see that the mirror actually becomes a little clearer, right? When we, we see some of maybe our, our human tendencies in that. But, but what, what Paul is, I mean, underneath all of this for Paul is, is, is seeing and being a part of the thing that he it first gave his life to try to put a stop to, right? And it's the church. Um, and, you know, I mean, Paul had this amazing conversion experience and, and went from trying, giving his life to trying to stop the church to being one of the greatest champions of the church that I think we've ever seen. So, like, written into the DNA of the, you know, the church from the very beginning is, is this idea, yes, that, that Jesus accomplished a number of things when he came. Our salvation, you know, the ability for us to be in relationship with God. Um, and, and we want that. We desire that. Like when we talk about the, the full life in John 10, 10, we want that life, right? But, but Jesus also came to, to inaugurate and to bring a kingdom that he's populating with a people, not a person, not a bunch of individuals, but a people that have a specific identity. And we see some of that in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Um, all the believers, this is Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, like, they're being united in the, in the gospel and because of the gospel didn't give them this inward focus that was like, look how awesome we are, right? I mean, the law, you know, that gives us a, a template for how to live, but it's not the law that saves us. Jesus saves us. Now we know that, man, stinks for everybody else, <laughs> you know? Instead, they said, all right, how does this then compel us to look at those around us who have need and those around us who have suffering? And he, and he picks it up, um, Luke picks it up again in, in Acts uh, chapter 4, same thing. 
Um, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And I love this, verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. So connected to the power of, of telling the story of the gospel was also a way of living that, that painted this picture and made what they were talking about in Christ real to the people who were hurting and to the people who had need. And, and I just, I mean, I, I love that, you know, the, the thing that we feed is the thing that's going to grow, you know? So if we feed <clears throat> selfishness and self-focus, like that's going to grow and it begins to hinder our relationships. And look, we, we all go through seasons of this in our lives. Sometimes we are more self-focused than others. But I, I think all of us, if we were to examine those times when we're selfish, we realize that relationship was harder in those times. It was harder to be honest with people. It was harder to, um, you know, to experience community. And yet in those times when we're living so that others benefit, then relationship seems more natural, right? We're, because we're sowing into something that's greater than, than we are. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that, again, just the, this idea of, of how our our selfishness so often, and, and you know, s- sometimes it is, we're in a place of desperation mm. and we feel like we have no other choice, right. but um, that, that it prevents us from being able to think about those wider consequences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, whether it's that we don't have money and we have to buy the cheap stuff that we know is, is being produced unethically mm. and um, harming the workers and the, the environment, or if it's that um, we can't think about how our, our actions are, are hurting those around us, um, but that the vision that God has for us is is for us to to partner with God in restoring the world right, and right. and to see the pain of those around us and to join in um, in yes suffering alongside, but but also offering that mm-hmm. hope um, that that we have found. Um, and so you know, as as you said at the beginning, it, it's not about doing more or being more, um, but it's it's about opening ourselves up to see God's abundance and to see how God is blessing us to be a blessing. Um, our mission moment highlighted a lot of the ways that that our church is doing that, how we're supporting outreach ministries and mission partners. Um, and so as as we begin to wrap up this morning, we want to we want to invite you to to consider how how is God inviting you to take steps towards thriving into this movement of the spirit um and again we acknowledge some people might not might not quite be there but can you can you imagine for a moment um what is down the road the the thing that that god is holding out and saying you know you might not be there yet but this this is what i have in store for you um and can we, can we open our hearts to that freedom that, that really Christ gives to us to open our hearts, to be generous and grateful, to feel like we have space to connect and to listen with one another and love one another? Um, because God's heart is that we would thrive as God's people, mm. that, that thriving that comes through the freedom that we have in Christ to embody the same open-heartedness and generosity and love that we see in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and, and can I just say, I think that, that you know, a, a piece of that, like stepping into a place of thriving and experiencing the full life that Jesus is promised is, is yes, about how our, our focus shifts to an outward focus. And we begin to really listen to and, and pay attention to and walk with people around us. But I also think that if you're in a place where you're just like, 
no, sorry. Like I, it, I, it's me mode right now. That's all I can. That's all I have the the bandwidth for. I think the the step to thriving in that is being willing to to reach out to somebody, being willing to be honest and say, I'm in a hard place, and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm carrying burdens that I can't carry. I mean, I think that's as much a step toward thriving as it is, you know, offering who we are to to those who who need help. Um, and I, I wanted to to close with this um, this quote from from Martin Luther. Um, and, and it just, I think, captures this, what it looks like for us to live on behalf of others and to live with others in mind and, and community in mind. <clears throat> he says, if, if there is anything in us, it is not our own. It, it is a gift of God. But if it is a gift of God, then it is entirely a debt one owes to love, that is, to the law of Christ, as Paul is saying. And if it is a debt owed to love, then I must serve others with it, not myself. Thus, my learning is not my own. It belongs to the unlearned and is the debt I owe them. My chastity is not my own. It belongs to those who commit sins of the flesh, and I am obligated to serve them through it by offering it to God for them, by sustaining and excusing them, and thus with my respectability veiling their shame before God and man. Thus, my wisdom belongs to the foolish, my power to the oppressed. Thus my wealth belongs to the poor, my righteousness to the sinners. It is with all these qualities that we must stand before God and intervene on behalf of those who do not have, who do not have them, as though clothed with someone else's garment. But even before men we must, with the same love, render them service against their detractors and those who are violent toward them. For this is what Christ did for us. When we, when we give of ourselves and when we consider the ways that God may, uh, maybe has blessed you, when you begin to think, how can I leverage that on behalf of those around me, then all of a sudden you begin to take up the mantle of Christ in the lives of other people and begin to experience the fullness that Jesus promises. Amen.